0: A 16-week odyssey of grit, determination, endurance, and will, where the weak are exposed and the strong revealed. From Believe Entertainment, this is Falcon's Flight, insights and analysis on your Atlanta Falcons. Now, here's Robert Taylor and your host, Brian Giffen. It is Falcon's Flight. This is edition 21. It also will be an abbreviated version as it is Christmas week and Robert Taylor not here today. I, however, am. This is Brian Giffen as Atlanta falls to 4-10 and ten on the season. Quick reminder here, the NBA and college basketball are back. The NFL and college football playoffs are right around the corner. And with all these sports going on, there are plenty of bets to lock in. So if you're thinking about picking the Lakers to repeat their NBA title or someone to upset Pat Mahomes and the Chiefs, you need to go to betonline.ag. From game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props, Bet online gives you more options to wager than any place online. And there's always the online casino as well. It never closes. So head to BetOnline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's BetOnline.ag and sign up today. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Mentioned the fact that Robert Taylor is not here today, with it being Christmas week, work schedules, conflicts, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. So this will be an abbreviated version of Falcon's flight. I am happy to tell you that former Falcon's long snapper and a guy who's been a broadcaster here in the market for a number of years, Harper LaBelle, joins us over the telephone line and Harper, Atlanta falls to 4-10. and If there was any doubt, this wasn't going to be a particularly good year, as if that wasn't erased when they started 0-5. They certainly have proven it the last couple of weeks as they once again rallied to snatch defeat from the jaws of victory in this loss to the Bucks, 31-27.
1: Yeah, that was my dad's line from back in the day when I first heard it. I thought it was pretty funny and original. It's not funny anymore because it seems it happens too often. Is that The Falcons get a lead. Earlier this year, it started with the Cowboys. Everything is looking great. Next thing you know, we can't score. We can't get a first down. We can't kick the field goal because we got sacked. And you put a lot of pressure on the defense, and uh, you're looking at the wrong side of a win. You know, you're congratulating the Cowboys. And in last week's game, you're congratulating Tampa Bay we shouldn't have lost that game but we did and in the year of COVID confusion and all the crazy <laughs> things that are going on that's just another one of those things that you're going to shake your head in 10 years and go can you believe what we went
0: through in that one year of 2020 just amazing in the age of parity that we're in Tom Brady now is 7-0 and against the Falcons and look this was another one like some of those earlier in the year they led 17 nothing at halftime did Atlanta they led 24-7 to in the third quarter, and the Bucks promptly score on five successive drives to snatch the game away. I think it's more maddening probably to lose this way, almost no doubt, than it is to just get it handed to you every week.
1: Brian, I've said for years now, this isn't just a 2020 phenomenon. If I were a defensive coordinator or a head coach from any team coming into town to play the Falcons, I would tell my team almost the first thing, It doesn't matter what the score is, guys. There's going to come a time in the ballgame where the Falcons will give us an opportunity to either get back in it or to win it. You just have to be patient. No stupid penalties. No dumb turnovers. We're going to win the game in the last few minutes. We have that chance. Every team in the league, all other 31 teams should be saying the very same thing. And it's going to happen continually until the Falcons do something about it. That's where I look at it. you got to get the first down when you need it. You can't punt and give the ball back to a team that knows they've got a chance. That's just basic football. And, uh, you know, we haven't done that for the last couple of years, and it just gets real frustrating to watch.
0: You look at some of the numbers. Brady went 31 of 45 for 390 and two scores. Ryan, by contrast, had a good game statistically, 34 of 49, 356 and three scores, pretty even in terms of what their QBRs for people who keep track of these things are. But once again, you find a way to have the thing get away from it. And this is where you're up multiple scores. It's a three-score game at two different junctures in the second half.
1: You know, many years ago when I was with the Falcons in the mid-'90s, we went to Green Bay and played a playoff game up there in Lambeau Field. And uh, just before halftime, Antonio Freeman runs a punt back against us. They score, and they opened up a lead that we just couldn't surpass. We end up losing the ball game. We're in the locker room afterwards, and Mouse Davis, our offensive coordinator, is walking around with the stats, and he walks up next to Bobby Avery He goes, Hey, Bobby, check this out. Jeff George threw for more yards than Brett Favre did. Look at what a day that Jeff had. It was fantastic. And Jeff was probably pretty pleased with the way he played too, but Bobby put it all in perspective. He goes, Mouse, what was the final score? That's the only thing that matters. All the stats, none of that matters. We need to win the ballgame. And it calmed down everybody's enthusiasm about how well Jeff George played because we lost. It doesn't matter what, yeah. what your stats are. Matt has some fantastic stats. If you want to blame him, for all the problems with the team. Okay, well, he's fourth in the league right now. I mean, he's just barely holding on. Someone will play and get 200 more yards in the next couple of weeks and maybe surpass him. But he's number four behind Mahomes, Watson, Josh Allen with Buffalo are the only guys in front of him. So if you want to blame him, yeah, he has 11 interceptions and 22 touchdowns. That ratio may be a little bit too high. But you know what? It's all about wins. When's the last time we've said Matty Ice comes from behind and wins the game and snatches victory from the jaws of defeat. It's been several years since we've really consistently been able to do that. So there are a lot of other problems we need to look at, Brian. At least that's the way I see
0: it. So you got two games to go now, you're four and ten, and from the mindset of a player, you know, I've been telling Robert, and we've talked about this for several weeks after the horrible start. I mean, look, you're still gonna go out there and put your best sixty minutes of football on the field because A you want it on film, whether you're gonna be of value to the Falcons going forward or some other organization and and I don't think there's any quit in anybody that really calls themselves a professional. But it's easy, I think, to get demoralized a little bit just because of the way these things have happened. That's at least four games this year that have swung the other way. And look at where they might be in an era like we're in with the NFC East. you get got all these teams with losing records, et cetera, et cetera. Look where they might be had those four games gone the other way. But woulda, coulda, shoulda.
1: Yeah, my eldest son, Brian, told me uh, a couple weeks ago, He says, hey, Dad, if we win and New Orleans loses, we're only a game out of the playoff picture. Do you realize that? I go, what? There's no way. There's too many things that had to happen. Well, one of them was the Falcons lost that week, and, you know, that that dissipated that little bit of hope. So you're saying there's a chance,
0: right, with uh, (laughs) Lloyd Christmas? Yeah, yeah, right. Uh, So you're saying there's a chance.
1: Play hard. Do your best that's the way you are. You are a pro, you're a highly paid professional. Go out there and give everything that you have. It may not work at Kansas City or at Tampa. You got to go out there and, and do your best. I know that there's some people out there that take the dive and get the draft pick and look, I'm not that way. I'd rather win and be 6 and 10 than worry about my draft pick and who I get with a 4 and 12 team. You know, you got two more weeks to figure it all out. I'm not going to worry about that. I just I, I wish the team had the ability to make a stop when you needed to or get the first down when you needed to. Get that one yard without having to do play action. We're just not that kind of team. Dan's gone. Thomas is gone. You really don't have the excuses, but everything that you've built for the past five, six, seven years, and it's all going to change here in the off season, Brian. This, this team is not going to be the same yeah. uh, in the next six, seven, eight months.
0: Uh, We said that earlier in the season as this thing went along. It's ironic they came out with new uniforms prior to this year because next year it's going to be almost all different people occupying those uniforms. At this point, anyway, look, I think when Raheem Morris took it over, with 11 games to go had they reeled off a nine and two or an eight and three you could make a solid case he probably might have been there I don't know that for sure but you know when you start 0 and five you're so buried anyway the only way to go is up but in your own opinion do they sweep the floor completely I don't know that there's much doubt that's probably what needs to happen at this point
1: I'll look at it this way. I think they swept the floor when they brought Thomas in and went with Dan Quinn. I really do believe this. And I'm not saying this from any inside information that I have, but I think Arthur wanted those two and Rich McKay and himself to all say, here's what we're going to build. We just got this brand new stadium. I want to fill it, but I want it with a team that's consistent that gets into the playoffs year after year, can go deep, can get to the NFC Championship game and win a Super Bowl for this city. And the blueprint from that is from a coach that wanted the fast and physical. He was young. He was aggressive. He was a guy that we were going to keep here for a very, very long time. And we were going to build a cap-sensitive team and blah, 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 fill it all in. And here we are four, five, six years later, and he's going to have to explode the whole Operation and, and probably start from scratch because the new general manager is going to say no, I don't do it the Patriot way. I do it a different way. Yeah. And our new coach is going to say I don't do it the Dan Quinn way. I'm not going to be passing physical because that usually means you're small and you got to get big, especially on uh, third and one. You got to get that first down. I'd rather have a bigger, slower guy that's stronger. That's what I want. So again, what the philosophy is going to be. You've got assets and a quarterback and a wide receiver, but they come with very, very high price tags. I don't know what their plan's going to be, but someone's going to have to come up with a very good alternative to what we've done now, and it's going to have to make Arthur Blank's ears tickle with the light, and uh, we'll see how it goes.
0: I don't know where you are on this, but I would submit, and I have over this season certainly, and I've talked about this the last couple of years, that in the combine era and the analytics era that we're in, that players, talent-wise, physical talent-wise, from one team to the next, are remarkably similar. In other words, you could take a corner from any franchise, a random individual, and compare them to a corner from any other franchise, a random individual. Odds are pretty good they're going to be fairly close to the same size. They're going to have pretty close to the same 40 time. They're going to have pretty close to you know, the cone runs, all the things they use to measure these skills. Each position is kind of assigned parameters numerically, a little bit like the analytics in baseball, like you you know, wouldn't use a guy that uh, throws 92, perish the thought, in the eighth inning. In other words, these guys all measure out favorably against one another. And in other words, the difference in the good teams and the bad teams oftentimes is far more what's in the heart, what's between the ears. And whether or not there's buy-in to the coach's message, would you agree?
1: Yes, absolutely. You know, and then there's another factor that you got to take into consideration is how much want to, you know, or how much desire does a guy have? Because there are some players that once they get that paycheck, their heart disappears. They don't want to play as much. They want to, you know, they work so hard or they've played for so long that once they get, you know, a big payday that their will and their desire to maintain that level kind of dissipates a little bit it can not always one of the perfect examples unfortunately the news came out i've read it this morning that kevin green had passed away yeah. he's only 58 years old yeah. and if you look at a guy like kevin green if anyone had said here's a kid coming out of auburn he's 6'3", He's 255 pounds and he's going to finish third all time in sacks you'd say there's no way there's no way that that's going to yeah. happen but kevin studied film he watched what tackles were doing. The first step was perfect. The second step was perfect. The third step, he turns his shoulders just a little bit. I'm going to learn to take advantage of that. I'm going to take my little bit of strength that I have and the little bit of speed that I have, but big heart that I've got, combine it all, and I'm going to finish with uh, 180 sacks yeah. in my career and finish third all-time and end up in the Hall of Fame. That's the intangible that you want with everybody. You know, He ran a 4-7 like about 150 other players that are in the league that can do the same thing, but what makes that guy different and how much different will he be if he plays in my uniform as opposed to playing in one of the other 31 teams.
0: And that's that motor thing that you always hear, the high motor thing, and a character guy as much as anything. I've made the case to Robert on multiple occasions and several others where we've had these games on, and I've been kind of around them with them on, and we've seen some of these things unfold, that they kind of lost the mojo in hindsight that they had in that 2016 season under Dan Quinn, where they went all the way to the playoffs, they were on a roll, they were playing like the best team in the league, all the way until they led 28 to 3, and they were really never the same after that. Would you agree?
1: They've sure proven it, yeah. They called it the uh, Super Bowl hangover the, the entirety of that following year. And, you know, I can think of numerous games where since then, what I started with, there are coaches around the league saying Atlanta will find a way to give you that game back. you got to take advantage of it. Just be patient. Sometime in the third or the fourth quarter, something's going to happen, and we need to make a play. They do. They get the first down. They get the score. Next thing you know, Falcons are ended up on the long end of a victory. Yeah, it happens a lot. seen it too many times.
0: We've talked about this a lot, too, and that is, of course, you know, when they brought in Thomas, they brought in Mike Smith, who, as it turns out, had a much better record for his time as the Falcons head coach than Dan Quinn ended up with. Might it have been better, in hindsight, in your view, when they moved on from Mike Smith to move on from Thomas as well. In other words, when you brought Dan in, you brought him into kind of a ready-made situation, but not necessarily one that was optimal in terms of what he would have wanted as head coach. In other words, you inherited a lot, and in the end, it didn't work.
1: Yeah, bottom line is it didn't turn out the way everybody's goal and aspiration would be. That's an interesting question, because I think one of the first questions that dan was asked other than you know what do you expect from the team and all that somebody asked him well who's going to make this decision right whatever that decision is somebody's going to have to make that and dan said that'll be me i specifically remember him saying that thomas and i will get together we're going to go over personnel but i hold the ace up my sleeve i make the last of those calls in other words he wanted the authority to be able to say of these two guys we're going to keep a and not keep b and where Thomas may have disagreed about it. But, you know, all in all, it's everybody should be on the same page. Yes, they might argue, well, no, I think player B is going to be better, and he might be. You know, the Falcons let go Brett Favre. I was on the team when that happened. Yeah. You look back at it, you go, how on earth could you do that? Well, he wasn't going to play here. Chris Miller was our starting quarterback. Yeah. We had Billy Joe Tolliver. We had uh, Wade Wilson was on. We had four quarterbacks. Yeah. And Brett just simply wasn't going to make it here. And we ended up getting the first rounder when Brett was the second rounder. And uh, Green Bay, if Dan Mikowski doesn't get hurt, we may never know what Brett Farnes is yeah, do. You but know, you know just-
0: what? He was probably an optimal fit, too, for what Mike Holmgren wanted to do, which is a great example of you know a head coach that was relatively early in his tenure there looking around and saying, okay, this is the gunslinger. This is the guy that I need to run this offense. And even though Brett made mistakes from time to time, and those are somewhat legendary, he was also a real leader and a guy that had a cannon for an arm and wasn't afraid to fling it all over the field, and the results spoke for themselves.
1: Agreed completely and totally. Now, you... you... Is he the Babe Ruth of football in many respects, you know, uh, with the Super Bowl and all the records that he had? You know, Babe Ruth hit more home runs than anybody else, and obviously since then, uh, Barry Bonds and and uh, Hank Aaron have surpassed him, but he also holds the record for the most strikeouts. People don't remember that part of it, but Brett has more <laughs> interceptions than anybody else, and there's a couple of mistakes that he's made, but he does have a Super Bowl ring, and he's wearing a gold jacket everywhere he goes, and it worked out okay for him. Yeah, no doubt. You know, and what we want is who are the kind of guys. Like, Julio might end up being a guy that could wear a gold jacket someday, but doggone, we got to get a a Super Bowl championship. You know, Lynn Swan doesn't have anything on Julio Jones, but four rings, and that speaks volumes. And uh, there are a lot of guys that are out there that that are very talented players, and they end up getting on a Super Bowl-winning team or two, and uh, now they're legends. So – We've been on the wrong end of, of two bad Super Bowls, and unfortunately, it uh, doesn't look like any time in the near future Atlanta's going to get back. Now, everything can change, and I hope that it does, but where we're looking right now is we're at the, the bottom of the division. You know that if you're picking high in the draft, that's not good in terms of uh, your playoff chances for the next year, so there's a lot of work to get done here in Atlanta.
0: You're probably, no doubt, more qualified than I am, having played in the league. You know, I've covered it a long time, but put your general manager's hat on for a moment. It's a tough question, I know. You already alluded to the price tag of the Matt Ryan-Julio Jones tandem. If it were you, and you were the general manager that came in, and you got two assets that are that tradable that could bring you somewhat of a king's ransom in return, would you pull the trigger on such a thing, knowing that, a, you know, you're kind of in cap hell if you don't. But secondly, you're a couple of years away, really, from competing. Likely, anyway.
1: Well, I'm I'm glad you brought that up in terms of the cap hell. The, the Falcons do have some issues. They're not going to be able to go out and sign a whole lot of players the way that, let's say, uh, Cleveland was able to over the past couple of yeah. years. How much time are you giving me, Brian? Do well, I have one year or do I have five?
0: I'll tell you what. I'll we'll do the Don Sutton. You get a new five-year plan every three years.
1: <laughs>
0: so much fun with Don. I understand over years. completely.
1: He's amazing. The reason I ask that is that will definitely change my answer. If I have to win now, I'm probably going to keep both those guys. Yeah. And I have to know what what their value is. If you're only going to give me a third rounder for Julio, I'll have to swallow that and take him for what's he played nine games this year. Uh, yeah. Do you think he gets in eleven? I don't know. His receptions are down because he's not on the field. But would you rather go with another younger kid and you know get a third-round draft pick that's going to play every week for you? Yeah. You know, you, all, all those are uh, intangibles. A couple years ago, I was going to say, you know, uh, Jacksonville, for example, would have given Drew Brees. Remember, he was a free agent a couple years ago,
0: yeah. and
1: he re-signed with the Saints. And the the topic was. If you were the owner of the Jacksonville Jaguars, would you just give him $40 million and try to get you to the Super Bowl in the next two years as, as a must-win-now scenario? I'd have thought about it because if you look where Jacksonville is, the investment might have been worth it for him.
0: Well, in effect, that's but, a little bit of what Tampa Bay's done with Tom Brady.
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah, this is a very short-term deal. They may be in a world of hurt in three years or maybe even two. I don't know, but they may get a Super Bowl out of this. They're certainly much better than they were last year. And it's not just because their defense is gone from a 4-3 to a 3-4 or they play Tampa 2. Who cares about that? They were good anyways, but now they've got that hit factor that they didn't have. If I'm the owner of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the worst thing in the world is this COVID because now nobody knows my team. They don't get to see it. I yeah. I, I was going to sell my, my shipyard out and have the, the cannons booming every week from the pirate ship, but... Now nobody can go to the ball games. What a, a tremendous turnaround from a financial aspect. Yeah. You know, to bring Brady and Gronk and everybody else, Brian, I, I mean, it was a recipe for success. And, yeah, they're 9-5. and five. They're, they're going to make the playoffs, but nobody's going to know about them the way that uh, they should have been were this a normal year.
0: Yeah, and based on the way they've played to this point, who knows what kind of a threat they'd be once they get into, presumably, the postseason, although I'd submit with a Brady, because of the experience factor, you would certainly give them, you know, a puncher's chance to run the table and go make a big splash, but who knows? Well, off the field, or off of this particular field, In a year of COVID, I mentioned it when we brought you aboard, that you're also a broadcaster. I'd love to get some perspective from you on how the season's gone broadcasting Georgia State games. As you know, and as we talked about before we went on here, I actually am the play-by-play voice at Kennesaw State, but... They pushed that season to the spring, and who knows how that's all going to unravel once you get that far. You know, being only a five-year program, their revenues and backers and sponsors and boosters and all those things aren't where most college football programs are. What are your thoughts as you look back over this season broadcasting Georgia State games, and what quirks have you found with the kind of year that it's been?
1: Well, it started with no football. Then there was going to be football, but limited georgia state was set to play alabama in week two and then the sec said nope we're only going to play sec games conference games we're not going to play non-conference so that that changed the whole parameter and as you know the non-power five conferences really do generate enough revenue from playing at power five schools. sure check games uh, to be able to yeah, to, play, to, to pay for your budget or at least to offset some of the expenses that you would have and keep women swimming and uh, the volleyball team playing. That all changed. And then to say that, well, there are going to be some teams that are going to play 12 games and some are only going to play 10 and some might even get into the uh, uh, FBS championship series after playing only five or six. It, yeah. it, I don't know what to make of that. I mean, I think the gun goes off. The runners are going around the track, and somebody's going to say, well, we'll tell you how far the race is a little bit later on. There's, there's really no way to gauge what the, what the final outcome is going to be because it keeps changing. Uh, they're, you're moving the goalpost every time and telling the kicker, all right, just nail this 30-yarder. We've had to do a couple of uh, virtual games where the team is on the road and either our school or the home school – uh, when we're on the road has said no we're not going to allow anybody to uh, be in the stands or to do any broadcast so we've done three or four games from georgia state stadium and that's an interesting phenomenon because you have no control over what you're seeing yeah you're watching a play and then they go to uh, a semi-commercial where they say hey stick around for next thursday night's action between so-and-so and in, a, in, a, in an nfc east battle and I don't know who's coming in. I don't know the substitutions that have been made. I don't even know what yard line that uh, the ball is on because I, I'm not talking to the director, and he's changing the camera shots for what we're seeing all the time. So yeah. you're really dependent on uh, a completely de- – different. You, you end up talking a lot. It's more like a baseball game, really, because you just fill in until you can answer. I don't know – you know, You know, Brian, everything that you do in, in football starts down in distance, yeah. How much time is on the clock?
0: No doubt. And you Score. know the
1: certain circumstance. Right. And what your formation is offensively. Hey, you got three guys on the right-hand side, long receiver on the left. Now you can paint the picture from there from a radio perspective, but it's been much much harder. Well, and, uh, you know, but it's, it's getting done, but it's, it's not nearly the same quality as what you would expect.
0: Well, the other dynamic is when you're calling them from your home stadium and it's via a TV feed, I assume that completely eliminates the sideline reporter so you don't get any insights from what's going on and what they're talking about down there.
1: I agree. And what we've done is uh, Sam Crenshaw, who does the radio for Georgia State, yep. and has since one of the day best. one. We just keep him in the booth with us. And we just hey, Sam, what do you think? It's almost as if you've got a three man crew in the booth, which is actually what what you do have, and uh, you do the best you can with that, so I end up speaking a little bit less, and Sam speaks a little bit more, and it it tends to for us to uh, make a better broadcast
0: then you lose things though, like the coach's thoughts going off and or coming out from the half, and you know if somebody's dinged up on a play, those kinds of insights I think add so much to a broadcast, and obviously those are eliminated in circumstance like this, yeah.
1: I agree. You don't have any of the, the, you don't hear the band. You don't get the uh, crowd noise like you do. And in many cases, you just have to pipe in uh, a fake crowd because our feed doesn't allow for, you know, the, the ESPN, which is what we're pulling from, you know, they own most of college football. And, yeah. uh, you know, uh, if we're pulling their feed, well, we're hearing announcers. We're not hearing the
0: crowd. Exactly.
1: You know what I mean? So so there's there's a little bit of a different dynamic to it. You don't have the same emotion. It's harder for you to really sense the drama of a certain series and and an important down and distance and you know what are you going to do on this fourth down and all these other little aspects of it. But again, you catch as catch can. You do the best you can with what you got. It has been different, absolutely. But uh, so far, we're doing the best we can, and I hope the audiences appreciate it. I know attendance in the NFL is down to next to nothing, right? Nobody's in the games except for maybe family and a few friends. But I think viewership is is also down, and that's the thing that I think hurts as much as anything. You've got fewer people. If they can't go and they can't feel it in terms of the excitement, they're going to go somewhere else.
0: You know, you told me an interesting story before we went on about the Georgia State Bowl situation. You want to shed any light on that here?
1: Well, you had asked me yesterday, say, hey, are you available? Do you want to come on? I said, sure, I'd love to. And I asked to speak with you before we went on because I wanted to share with you this, but it's obviously, it's changed just this morning. But the way that the Lending Tree Bowl in Mobile, Alabama had worked it out, they own all the rights, the Rose Bowl, the Sugar Bowl, the Outback Bowl, the Meineke Carquest Bowl, they all own the rights to their games. And in this particular case, going to the Lending Tree Bowl, Georgia State found out that there was a reduced fee to broadcast the games from Lenny tree. In other words, we couldn't broadcast the game, we didn't have the rights, unless we paid the fee that they asked. And it was pretty extensive, and you're at Kennesaw, with Georgia State, we're not made of money, we don't have the uh, Cook's Pest Control Sideline Report like some folks do, so we were not gonna be able to do the game. It was just gonna cost too much money, there wasn't enough revenue to justify it. But just this morning, Lenny Tree reduced their price and did allow for both teams. Uh, we're playing it against Western Kentucky and uh, their their broadcasting crew as well as ours will be able to do the game now. So I just found out this morning. Uh, just another little aspect of the business of how college football is run and professional as well. You know, just a revenue enhancer for the for the bowl. But it ends up working out for us. But at one point, if this were 24 hours ago, I was gonna say, we're not doing the game. We're not even gonna be able to, uh, to
0: broadcast it. To me, I think it's a sad dynamic when they're trying to squeeze money out of a team's broadcast crew that's been there the entire season that the fan base listens to, pays attention to. And look, I'm all for, I understand the dynamic that everything is about money, everything is about business, but it's a pretty sad state of affairs when you're trying to squeeze a team's broadcast crew that's been there all year that, you know, in some cases or in a lot of cases, especially radio, are the eyes and ears of the people who enjoy listening to those games. I just find it a little in poor taste that you would try to charge the actual team crew now if you had a third party entity that came in be it you know not unlike a Westwood one is although probably with college on a smaller scale I could see it in an event like that but you know in a case where you're talking about the team's broadcast crew they've been there all year they go everywhere Agreed Yeah it did
1: seem a little uh, cheap if you ask me I wasn't surprised by it however you know I really wasn't I figure well okay the the, the folks and whatever your sponsor is I mean there's some really big ones and some very familiar names that have been doing bowl games for years, but I think uh, the the corona casualty is is a part of this, right? Where you're not going to have any stands, uh, any fans, excuse me, in the stands. And uh, if you were shipping, we're just trying to max this out as much as possible. Yeah. Now I'm not sure if they do this every year for every team. If they do, then shame on them. But at least they were able to work it out. And at the last minute, literally, I mean, we were just a couple days before kickoff and. I, I just found out this morning that we'll be going down there. So I'm glad they were able to work it out to where it was fair or fair earth uh, for both sides. And as you mentioned, you know, the guys that are a part of the school itself, I, I find it amazing that we would even be charged anything. We, we should be treated like a royalty or as a part of the team because we are, you know, but. Evidently, uh, big corporate America in particular bowls don't agree with that.
0: Yeah, sad state of affairs indeed. Well, back to the Falcons now. So four and ten, you got two games left, and you take on the defending world champions. You do it on their field. Any chance that the Falcons don't get blown out by Patrick Mahomes and company Sunday?
1: Well, you asked me last week. Well, how do you think the pack or the, excuse me, the Falcons are going to do against uh, Tampa Bay and the Bucks? And I said, I don't, I don't see us having a chance. You know, not even a puncher's chance. And here we are, we're up seventeen, nothing, and uh, as you mentioned, twenty-four, seven at one point. Hey, I like my chances now.
0: <laughs> are you kidding? <laughs> a...
1: But um, here's the thing about Kansas City that's just freaky, scary. They they in the playoffs last year were we're down by what 21, 24 we'll points in a couple of occasions. Yeah. Really slow start in both of their games. The one against Tennessee, I think, was pretty much the same thing. Although it wasn't nearly uh, as deep a deficit, but Patrick Mahomes has an ability unlike many others to where he blinks and he becomes Superman and everything that he did previously just disappears and they become this monster offensively and they score every time they need to, you know, and they get 35 points when they only needed 21 and they just blow teams away in uh, four or five possessions. It's just uh, absolutely amazing to watch. If you're a Chiefs fan, you've got to be, thrilled as can be knowing that you've got a guy like that that can control Andy Reid's offense in a way that just, uh, it doesn't matter. It's the exact opposite of the Falcons. It doesn't matter how far behind we are, we're going to we're gonna pull this game out. I have no doubt if I'm a, a Chiefs fan. I think that all the time, right? Wouldn't you if you were a Chiefs fan? No Patrick doubt. has proven it over the past two or three years. and Where the Falcons have done the, the exact opposite, it doesn't matter how far ahead we are in the fourth quarter, we're going to find a way to get the game back to somebody.
0: How much of a dinosaur does it make me that I still, when I hear the name Pat Mahomes, think of his dad, who was kind of a journeyman big league pitcher, Twins Pirates in particular? (laughs)
1: Well, I wouldn't say that you belong with the T-Rexes and the Brontosauruses, but you're pretty doggone close. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. isn't that amazing?
0: No doubt about it. And, you know, the knock on Andy Reid was always that he would find a way to not win in the playoffs. And I think what's happened in Kansas City, particularly the one year, of course, last, is that it's all about the players that you have. And you could also make the case, heck, even back, speaking of baseball, to Jim Leland, who won 100 games with the Marlins one year, lost 100 games with the Marlins and then the Rockies the next couple of years, all about having players.
1: Didn't the Astros lose 100 games two or three years in a row? Yes. And then they win the World Series. And, uh, you know, Kevin Ross was a teammate in atlanta near the end of his career he had played in kansas city uh when i was drafted kevin was all pro safety and uh his last year in the league was here in atlanta and we struggled that year i think it was 96 we were probably uh about the same position four and ten and we might have been three uh, only three wins into the season late into it and kevin says i don't care who you are i don't care what team you play for you can go 6-10 and ten with the talent that every team in this league has. It's your mental ability to get through some of those tough times that gets you where you need to be. And I hadn't really heard anybody, a player, say it quite like that, and it makes a lot of sense. Every team. Cleveland a few years ago, man, they are just loading up with draft picks, and now look how good they've become. Yeah. Something in between their ears snapped, and they got it, and they go, we are pretty good. Yeah and we can play better than what we're doing right now. All we need to do is do it, and what do you think is going to happen? And and now they've won nine games, and they're, they're going to go to the playoffs for the first time in a while. And more importantly, they've got a quarterback that they can believe in. Instead of every year having two different guys start at your quarterback position, they've got some cornerstones in the right positions, and they're young, and they're starting to believe in themselves, and whether you're Baltimore I'm not sure if Houston is as young, but you know Deshaun Watson just—he's so talented, um, and he's got some good players around him. Every team can do that. I just hope that Atlanta kind of catches onto that before it's too late.
0: Well, it's going to be interesting to watch as this season winds down, and I think an intriguing off season awaits all of us who follow this franchise. Well, Harper, man, it's always a pleasure. Always enjoy talking football or just life in general with you, man. I hope things are well obviously give my best to dave and mike holmes and sam crenshaw and everybody else down at georgia state miss seeing those guys you know i produced those basketball games and as you well remember we roomed together on the road produced a couple of football games where the great rick shaw had hall of fame commitments and couldn't be there so i have sort of a connection to georgia state that goes back a few years miss all you guys and really appreciate the time and insights today
1: well thank you uh i wouldn't have done it for anyone else and i appreciate it i wish you your family robert everybody that's uh, part of your show. Great success. Merry Christmas to you. And be patient, Falcon fans. It's going to come someday, hopefully sooner (laughs) than later. But uh, we're in another one of those ditches in the side of the road. We just need to get a record to pull us out and uh, brush all the dirt off and start again. And uh, hopefully we'll be able to do it sooner
0: rather than later. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to watch for sure. Harper, thanks a bunch, man. And we'll talk to you really soon. You're welcome. Thank you, Brian. Merry Christmas to everybody listening and uh, have a great New Year. Same to you, buddy. The great Harper LaBelle spending some time with us here on episode 21 of Falcon's Flight. Brian Giffen, Robert Taylor, not here today as it's Christmas week. Time for us to take a time out. When we come back on the other side, we'll offer some final thoughts and a little bit quicker preview on the game at Kansas City coming up Sunday. This is Falcon's Flight Edition 21. I'm Brian Giffen, and I'm back with more after this. Mr. Hardwood is Atlanta's premier flooring expert, but hardwood is just the beginning. Mr. Hardwood also installs laminate, tile, vinyl, carpet, and more. Your home is likely your biggest investment. Not only can you enhance its value with beautiful new floors, but our lifetime transferable warranty will enhance the value even more. If you stand on it, Mr. Hardwood stands behind it. Mr. Hardwood is committed to setting the industry standard for all your uniquely designed and professionally installed flooring solutions. Our number one goal is to exceed our customers needs by providing value, quality, and exceptional service even after the sale. We take great pride in high-quality craftsmanship and integrity and are not satisfied until we have exceeded your expectations. Mr. Hardwood, Atlanta's flooring experts, to set up your free consultation, call Mr. Hardwood today at 770-318-8880 or go to mrhardwoodinc.com Like in football, whether it's in business, recreation, or life, you need a game plan. Is your computer running slow? Is it infected with viruses or malware? Maybe you're a gamer and really want a custom-built computer specifically for gaming. Perhaps like us, you want a lightning-fast, state-of-the-art, solid-state drive to replace that clunky, old-school one in your machine. Your game plan for any of this should be Computers Plus. A lot of the components we use to produce and bring you Falcon's Flight have been upgraded or provided by Computers Plus. Computers Plus is located in Ackworth, Georgia at 3330 Cobb Parkway, Northwest, Suite 154. But wherever you are, they can help. Stop in and see them. They also feature a full line of accessories and refurbished equipment. Give them a call today at 770-693-0769 or check them out at computersplususa.com. You'll be glad you did. It is Falcon's Flight. This has been Edition 21. I'm Brian Giffen. Robert Taylor not with us this week, as it's Christmas week and schedules conflict. Got to make a living, and that's kind of the way it goes. But Falcon's Flight is a presentation of Believe Entertainment, the number one site for podcast professionals. Do you believe? We certainly do. And this program, as always, is a presentation of betonline.ag and we're very happy that you have joined us as the Falcons look to try and reverse their fortunes and wind up winning out hopefully with two games remaining but at best you finish 6 and 10, at worst you finish 4 and 12, possible in the middle you finish 5 and 11, doesn't matter in the big picture because i think sweeping changes are in order for the Atlanta Falcons when the offseason gets here and obviously in a year where you're 4 and 10, that's going to be sooner than later. As it is, we will have more on the Kansas City Chiefs hosting the Falcons this Sunday when we come back to recap that one. What are the odds that Patrick Mahomes and company go off against the Falcons? I would say pretty good, but it's hard to say. This is a team that has shown, back to that egg-beater, world-beater vernacular again, has shown that they're capable of playing with good teams. They just have to close the deal and hang on to lead something that they have had big problems doing the entire season. That game comes your way Sunday. We'll have a recap of that and a look ahead to the season finale down at Tampa Bay on episode 22 of Falcons Flight coming your way next week. That will do it for today. Our thanks to the great Harper LaBelle, a good friend, and of course a longtime Falcon, a guy who was a long snapper for the Falcons for a number of years, broadcaster here in the Atlanta area for a number of seasons since then and a good friend of the program a guy we're always glad to bring aboard as he stepped in and pinch hit for robert today that'll do it for edition 21 of falcon's flight i'm brian giffen for robert taylor and harper labelle saying tune in again next week when falcon's flight edition 22 rolls on the shelves that will do it for today we thank you for joining us so long everybody Thank you for listening to Falcon's Flight. Tune in throughout the season for updates, insights, and analysis on the dirty birds. Falcon's Flight is a production of Believe Entertainment.